today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. It's not God's will that any should perish. God does not delight in bringing the judgment. He wants them to repent so he can relent from bringing this doom. This is the heart of God, and this is the will of God that people would turn from evil. I think better understood the book of Jeremiah, not a book about judgment, but the mercy of God, not the judgment of God. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Varag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. God doesn't get delight in punishing people. Jeremiah speaks about God's wrath and the punishment that he brought upon people, but that doesn't mean that God enjoyed doing it. In today's message, Pastor J.D. is going to remind you that God brought punishment in order for people to repent of their sin. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 26 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We're going through the Bible, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we are currently in the book of Jeremiah, and one chapter tonight, chapter 26. I think you'll see why here shortly. Very interesting chapter. I know I say that every week, but very interesting. Really looking forward to what the Lord has for us. So why don't we pray? Let's ask God to settle our hearts, if you would please join with me. Father in heaven, thank you so much, Lord. We're just, ah, this is a safe place for us to just come and have you quiet our hearts and settle our minds. And as Copano just prayed, just as only you can, by the Holy Spirit, enable us to focus our attention, because there's just so many things in our stressful lives clamoring for our attention and competing for our attention. And Lord, we want to give you our undivided attention so that you can speak into our lives and and minister to us, Lord. We're, <laughs> that's why we're here, because we're just desperate for you. And really desperate is a, an understatement. I mean, we are just a needy people, hungry, thirsty, knowing that only you can satiate that hunger and that thirst that we have. Lord, I know that many of us are tired. It's been for some, I know, maybe a tough week. And so we just so look forward to this time that we have where we can come to this place and put all of that aside and just be together in your word. So Lord, thank you for this time that we're going to have together in your word. We pray your blessing on it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Okay, so the chapter before us tonight, again, very interesting. Looking forward to what the Lord has for us. God is commanding Jeremiah to speak all, keyword all, that he tells him to speak and not hold anything back. Now, as we're about to see, God, in a way, is preparing Jeremiah for what God's people are preparing for Jeremiah. 
And Jeremiah knows it, certainly God knows it. (laughs) What are they preparing for him? Oh, they want to seize him and kill him. However, because of Jeremiah's faithfulness to do all God has commanded and called him to do, Jeremiah, and we love this about him, (laughs) is going to speak the truth and hold nothing back. Now, by way of a preface before we jump in, it's important to understand that chapter 26 is, some believe, a continuation of and a more detailed explanation of chapter 7. Remember chapter 7 when God commands Jeremiah to go to the city gate where all the people are. They're not coming to his church, so he's going to go to them. (laughs) And the city gate was where all the people would gather. So there were throngs of people there, and Jeremiah is called and commanded to prophesy the coming judgment and to get them to hopefully, which they won't, repent, and to avoid (laughs) the judgment that's going to come upon them. So in chapter 7, I mean, he just holds nothing back. And it is met, of course, with consternation, antagonism, anger, rejection, all of the above. Now we get here to chapter 26, and this is one of the reasons why this is important, because the book of Jeremiah, which by the way, we're halfway through, (laughs) right? 52, 26, isn't that 50, isn't that half of 52? Someone just say yes, and then if it's not, okay, good. All right, so Anyway, the book of Jeremiah is not in chronological order. It is, and we've seen this, right, heretofore, it is arranged topically and perfectly, might I add. And so this chapter is tucked in here after chapter 25 and before chapter 27. I know that's deeply profound, but for good reason. Because at this point we're kind of going back to the beginning when Jeremiah was faithful to speak all that God commanded him to speak. But we're going to see more detail now in terms of what happens when he does. So let's get started. Verse 1. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came from the Lord saying, Thus says the Lord, stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak to all the cities of Judah, which come to worship in the Lord's house, all, keyword, all the words that I command you to speak to them, do not diminish a word. Do not diminish a word. Do not hold anything back. You speak all. I know they're going to reject it. I know they're going to seize you and want to kill you, but do not hold back. You speak it as I have commanded you to speak it. Question, why would God have to tell Jeremiah this, and why the specificity with these five words, do not diminish a word? I mean, isn't Jeremiah faithful? Has he not been faithful to do all that God has commanded him to do? 
So why is God now emphasizing to Jeremiah that he is to speak this and not diminish a word? Here's a thought. The Jeremiah's of this world are still prone to shrink back, hold back, knowing of the backlash. I have to confess there are many times when I go back and forth with the Lord, I should really say the Lord goes back and forth with me. I want to be careful there. Pastors don't use the word complaining, we use the word lamenting. It just sounds so much more spiritual. So I'm just lamenting, Lord, if I speak this, it ain't going to end well. Oh, so you're going to hold back? No. Oh, you're going to diminish a word? You're going to, you know, maybe soften it up just a little bit, take the edge off of it? No. But you got to know that Jeremiah, I mean, we've seen it, right? There was that one chapter, it's indelibly etched in my mind, in my heart, as I'm sure it is with many of you, where in one chapter he has two meltdowns, <laughs> tries to quit, then he comes out of it, snaps you know, back and comes to his senses, starts praising the Lord. Oh, who is like unto you, O Lord, who is like unto my God? There is none other than the next verse, cursed be the day I was born. And he tries to quit and he, he curses even the guy that brought the news to his mom that she was pregnant with him. I mean, that's pretty bad. I mean, he's just had it. I can't do this anymore, Lord. But he did. So you got to know there's still in a Jeremiah this, man, if I speak all that you've commanded me to speak and do not diminish a word. Whew. Okay, Lord, you're with me, right? Because <laughs> if you're not it's game over. No, I, I'm there with you, and you're going to speak every word. And really it's, a, I think, a way that God encourages and strengthens His servants, just to encourage them. Don't hold back. Don't hold back. Well, verse 3, perhaps everyone will listen and turn from his evil way that I may relent concerning the calamity which I propose to bring on them because of the evil of their doings. And verse 4, you shall say to them, thus says the Lord, if you will not listen to me, to walk in my law which I have set before you, to heed the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I sent to you, both rising up early and sending them, but you have not heeded. Then, verse 6, I will make this house like Shiloh, and will make this city a curse to all the nations of the earth. Now, this is kind of hang in there with me for a moment, because Jeremiah could be arguably seen as this book of God's judgment. Doom and gloom, the, the judgment of God is coming. But that's not really God's heart. I think we get a, a glimpse into the heart of God and the will of God here in these verses. It's not God's will that any should perish. God does not delight in bringing the judgment 
He wants them to repent so he can relent from bringing this doom. This is the heart of God, and this is the will of God, that people would turn from evil. I think better understood the book of Jeremiah, not a book about judgment, but the mercy of God, not the judgment of God. This is God's mercy. This is God's grace. God is warning them repeatedly through Jeremiah over a period of many years, 40 plus years, repent, turn from your evil. It's a warning, and it's the grace of God. It's the mercy of God. It's a loving Heavenly Father that wants them to turn from their evil so that this calamity does not come upon them for the evil of their doings. Now verse 7, here it comes. You ready? Ready or not, here it comes. <laughs> so the priests and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. Now it happened, verse 8, when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking all that the Lord, all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, that the priests and the prophets and all the people seized him, saying, you will surely die. I knew it. I told you, Lord. <laughs> Notice, though, it's the priests and the prophets. Oh, how sad is this? You know who the priests and the prophets were? They were the priests and the prophets. They were the pastors, the leaders. These were God's people. It could be said of them, these were Jeremiah's comrades. These were his fellow prophets, false prophets. These were priests, pastors, leaders. And they're the ones that seize him and want to kill him. I'm sorry I'm getting worked up here, but really? It's the priests and the prophets that are falsely accusing Jeremiah and wanting to kill Jeremiah so as to silence Jeremiah. It's God's people. Now, I could, I could wrap my mind around it if it were the unbeliever, but it's not. We could say in our day, in the context modern day, these would be fellow Christians or professing Christians, if you prefer. And they're the ones that want to kill him and silence him and get him to stop, stop prophesying this doom and gloom. We're going to silence you. How are we going to silence you? We're going to kill you. God's people. I better move on or I'm going to get my blood pressure up here a little bit. Verse 9. Listen to what they say. Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate without an inhabitant? And we're told all the people, all the people, were gathered against Jeremiah 
in the house of the Lord. Now this is one of those places in God's Word, of which there are many, where you really need to use your God-given imagination and picture the scene here, okay? Because you can miss it, easily miss it. There are throngs of people. It is a mob of people. There are so many people. And now we're told that all of them were surrounding Jeremiah. All of them were gathered against Jeremiah. And to add insult to injury, if this weren't bad enough, this was taking place in church. In church, the house of the Lord. This is in the house of the Lord, God's people. They're surrounding him on all sides, and they're all against him. You think Jeremiah feels a little bit alone right now? Oh, maybe that's why God needed to encourage him not to withhold anything, hold back anything, and not diminish any word. Jeremiah is not stupid. He knows what's going to happen when he speaks all that God has commanded him to speak. And lo and behold, it happened. And they're all coming against him. They want to kill him. Now they're surrounding him. They've seized him. They've apprehended him. And now they're surrounding him, and they're all against him, this huge mob of people. Now, verse 10. Now, you're picturing the scene, right? All of these people. There's Jeremiah. So now verse 10, when the princes of Judah heard these things, they came up from the king's house. So they weren't there, wherever the king's house was, (laughs) to the house of the Lord, and sat down in the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house. So they, they hear about what's happening. There's a riot. Jeremiah is in trouble. In fact, he's in deep kimchi right now. He's got this mob, this throng of people surrounding him. They're going to kill him. They're all against him. So we need you guys to come. So they get the email, the text. They come, and there they are, and they take their seat. Picture a judge's seat. These are the princes, and these are the the judges, if you prefer, and now they're going to sit down, and we're going to try to judge this matter and resolve this matter. So, verse 11, and the priests and the prophets spoke to the princes, and all the people saying, this man deserves to die, for he has prophesied against this city as you have heard with your ears. Then verse 12, Jeremiah spoke to all the princes and all the people. Notice he's not addressing the priests and the prophets. I would imagine, we're still there, right? You're still picturing, using your God-given imagination. You're picturing this scene, right? A lot of people, there's Jeremiah, and here are these princes sitting down. They're going to make pass a judgment now. And Jeremiah doesn't even look at him. They've just got done falsely accusing him, by the way. False charges. He didn't prophesy against the city. See, they're, they're trying to get these princes <laughs> to see him as committing treason, which is punishable by death. That's why he deserves to die, because of what he did. That's not what he did. This is false. You, you false prophets are falsely accusing. Go figure. I would expect nothing less. 
So he, he's addressing the princes and all the people, not the priests and the prophets. Now what does he say? He says, the Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against this city with all the words that you have heard. Now therefore amend your ways and your doings, and obey the voice of the Lord your God, then the Lord will relent concerning the doom that He has pronounced against you. Did you catch that? <laughs> you think I'm the problem? I'm not the problem. I'm just the messenger. Your problem is not with me. Your problem is with God. And by the way, you don't want your problem to be with God. But your problem is with God, the Lord your God. You better listen. You better obey. You better turn, or God will not relent concerning, and you'll forgive me, but I like this word doom. <laughs> Gets a lot of bad press. Oh, you're one of them doom and gloom guys. No, that's God's word. It's doom and gloom. Oh, come on. Why can't you just <laughs> speak soft things? Speak smooth words. Why don't you just kind of, you know, bring it down a notch? And oh, there's all this doom and gloom. You're depressing me. You're scaring me. Good. You need to be scared. <laughs> I know it's a. It's um, kind of snarky, but I'd rather scare someone into heaven than flatter them into hell. Yeah, I know you don't want to hear this, because it's doom and gloom, but it's the truth. It's the truth. Well, verse 14, man, you got to love Jeremiah, man. As for me, here I am in your hand. <laughs> Do with me as seems good and proper to you, but, ooh, verse 15, know for certain that if you put me to death, you will surely bring innocent blood on yourselves, on this city, and on its inhabitants. For truly the Lord has sent me to you to speak all these words in your hearing. Wow. Oh Lord, thank you for Jeremiah. And thank you, Jeremiah, for not walking it back, toning it down, or softening it up. You knew, Jeremiah, what you spoke was God's words of truth. Thank you, Jeremiah. And thank you, Lord, for Jeremiah. And thank you, Lord, for including this in the pages of Holy Writ about Jeremiah, because I need to hear this. This, most men wouldn't do this. Because again, you're still there, right? Don't leave yet. You can't leave yet. You're still in this throng, this mob. There's Jeremiah, they want to kill him. You're still there, right? Can you imagine the intensity of that moment? 
And there you are, and they're all coming against you, falsely accusing you. They want to kill you. What would you do? We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Jeremiah is one of those books that's not the easiest to walk through in the Old Testament. It's almost like you see the train wreck that's up ahead, and you want to warn them, but they just don't listen. Then you have other verses in this book that are commonly claimed, but what does it really mean in the context of what's going on? Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. But if you're looking at the train wreck up ahead, you wonder, how does claiming that verse fit with exile and judgment? Ultimately, God's plan and purpose are to bring people back to himself in reliance and dependence on him, not in their own possessions or their comfort. The same could be said for you today. You may be going through something that seems like judgment or exile, but are you drawing closer to the Lord in the process? There's a future and a hope, but it may play out differently than you'd like. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Jeremiah, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com to find these messages. There are a variety of additional resources on our website. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and then come back for our next edition where Pastor J.D. will continue on in the book of Jeremiah. We look forward to that time with you here on In Spirit and Truth.